Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host, Doug, your co-host, Doug, and with me are my fellow co-hosts, Elliot and Luke. And in the background, on the ones and twos, as usual, is Damien holding it down. So today, uh, we are, well, we, we covered this topic a while back. Um, we talked about the whole no virus theory um, and did uh, a I don't know, an okay job, I guess, at, at, at kind of talking about it. But we've come back to it again because it seems to be a theory that really does seem to persist. Um, I think with the uh, whole COVID madness, um, people were rightly very skeptical of it. And um, as a result, started questioning everything. And I think that this whole no virus thing seems to be a bit of a trap that people tend to fall into. You know, it's kind of you get on to this train of questioning things and you start questioning more and more, and then you start questioning everything. And I think there is a very clear delineation between what we can know and what we can't know. Um, well, maybe let's let's discuss it. You know, I, I'm not going to get into everything in the in the introduction here, but um, um, I guess uh, just to cover it for those who don't know, um, there is a, a contingent of people out there who are arguing that um, viruses do not in fact exist. Um, and there was even a book written about it um, by uh, Thomas Cowan and um, Sally Fallon Morell, who, you know, it breaks my heart actually, because she wrote um, Nourishing Traditions. She's put a big, big, driving force behind the Weston A. Price Foundation, which were really instrumental in my own education on nutrition. And Nourishing Traditions was one of the, the greatest nutrition books that, you know, I've ever come across. Um, so yeah, I was really disappointed to find out that she's kind of really bought into this whole no virus thing and is going on about that. But anyway, on today's show, we're going to be kind of discussing this and why we think that the no virus theory is basically akin to flat earth theory. So, yeah so <laughs> i mean so it's it's this concept has been around for a while um there was a virologist his name stephen lanker he has been publishing papers i mean he worked in virology he was a research scientist and he was publishing papers on viruses you know back in the 80s 90s uh and then he kind of went quiet in terms of what he was publishing and he um then became known for his kind of controversial take on viruses as a whole he came up with the idea the theory that um virology was mistaken in believing that what they were doing with using the techniques using the the different methods and things that they were using to isolate viruses and to um to basically study them uh he pointed out many holes in their theories and for him uh, the evidence was not substantial enough to well, the evidence essentially led, led him to the conclusion that if they can't fulfill these certain criteria, then what it must mean is that they're studying something completely different. They're not studying viruses. In fact, everything that we think that we know about viruses is completely inaccurate. And he published a paper back in 2015, I believe it was, um, basically uh, as a rebuttal to virology as a whole right? Saying, look, here is where virologists have gone wrong. Here's the problem with the studies. Um, here are the assumptions that are being made. And some of them seem quite valid. Uh, I'll give him that. 
I'm not a virologist, so I, you know, it's purely from a layperson's perspective. But it seems as though he was uh, pointing out some inaccuracies um, and some inconsistencies with viral theory, right? And yet that led him to the conclusion that therefore viruses cannot exist. And since then, there have been several books and things published. There's one called Virus Mania, and I think that was recently republished after the coronavirus threat. Uh, coronavirus uh so-called pandemic um and so you've 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 got several kind of i'll say groups of scientists around the world who have come up with kind of similar theories and many of them are skeptical of the uh conventional view of viruses as many people are and i think that is that is justified to some extent um viruses as pathogens perhaps viruses aren't just simply pathogens maybe they are something entirely different we don't actually know what viruses are and i don't think anyone really does um but at the same time what they seem to have done is gone right to the far end and 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 say well because they don't fulfill these criteria and the studies don't meet these uh requirements therefore viruses do not exist um and it seems as though they're throwing the baby out of the bathwater yeah, and I wanted to uh, add something to that. Um, also, uh, Doug, what you said about this researcher that you're kind of disappointed in, mm. right? So because there, there seems to be, um, when you when you look at these people um, who who come up with with the theories, um, and there are like nuances. I think there are different different groups, you know, or different people who believe different things. But let's say like the diehard um, viruses don't exist crowd. So they're often to be found like in the real, really, really alternative um, therapies world, right? So they basically, um, it seems to me that they often start out with like a criticism of the, you know, scientific and medical establishment. Mm -hmm. And uh, they obviously have their the good reasons for that, right? So basically this obsession with uh, pharmaceuticals and uh uh, and brutal therapies and and the corruption and and all of that and also um stefan lanka for example the kind of like the godfather of, of this whole thing he um he's even like criticizing you know like the materialist mindset in in medicine and so they they do have valid points um and what seems to have happened though is that they kind of like went just totally extreme um, in the other direction. So Lanka, for example, he has some kind of, I don't know what it is. Uh, he he's, does some health stuff, you know, like for people and he's like into water, you know, water therapy and like, like really alternative stuff. Um, so it seems it's, it's like they kind of didn't, let's say like they reject everything, you know, basically that, that mainstream medicine says and, and has ever said almost, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and uh, you can see that, um, I think Stefan Kaufmann is his name, uh, mm -hmm. the other guy yeah. who's big in this. Um, and he, for example, refuses to treat anybody with, uh, with an antibiotics, uh, which is really extreme. He thinks it's kind of like of the devil, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, and so it seems to me, and it's an important thing to keep in mind that um, uh, this scene, how how it emerged, and 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 what their background is, right? Because that seems to me kind of what hap what has happened. And and you know, when I read, for example, Stefan Lanka's, I read a pamphlet of his where he published basically all his um, 
a summary of his views and um, and as you have said, you know, there are some interesting uh, thoughts in there, um, but it's like, it, it almost seems like, how do you say, like manical uh, to a degree, right? It's like, um, he, he makes this like pompous pronouncement, you know, it, it is, therefore it is proven that, you know, and it is 100% uh, proven that and, uh, this disproved itself by and you know it's 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 not the kind of tone and and the kind of story that you would expect from a researcher who's truly trying to get to the bottom of things right so there mm. there's no you know like it seems to me you know considering this and that that what we're seeing here might be or something like that right so it's it's this like bold claims and and this almost like talking points that this no virus movement if you want to call it that adhere to right so they have basically their 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 powerpoint presentation ready <laughs> and you know and they go all through that through this stuff and uh claim to to debunk like uh, the whole thing and uh, and what i actually would recommend you know is um because i'm not an expert either but um to just read a little bit in the scientific literature about these things, right? Um, like papers and, and the history of it all. And um, so that, that's really interesting because it gives you kind of a nuanced view. And, uh, and also if, if you look at the sheer like incredible amount of research that has been done, you know, not, not just in virology, but even before, you know, how people figured out, you know, the first viruses and, and what they did and, and, um, you know, there were like papers from 1913 that already, you know, um, uh, did experiments with infecting, um, uh, you know, animals and, and even like dead tissue and things like that. So it's, it's, it's really a fascinating history. And it's kind of like a mystery too, right? Because viruses seem to be kind of like these uh, sort of mysterious entities. And, um, and it's, it's really... Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating, and and I got a different vibe, you know, from reading in the literature than from reading these pamphlets of the of the no virus people. And we can maybe get later a bit into you know some of the issues that I see with that. But um, yeah, yeah, um, it it is it, fascinating looking at the at the history of it all. Um, contagious disease as a whole because in fact before um before medicine was aware of pathogens or microorganisms which could cause disease there was this concept of like um the humors for instance so the the vital force and all of these other kind of uh, what are considered to be more primitive ideas of how disease spreads um it, it, it was actually difficult for researchers to convince the, the medical establishment at the time that there was such a thing as disease ca causing agents, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it was actually, they had to fight very hard to get it um, to, to get it to be accepted. Uh, if you look at the original experiments, uh, I believe it was on tuberculosis that was uh, one of the first uh, studies which was performed to uh, demonstrate some kind of contagious uh, microorganism which could induce a disease in, an, in, 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 in another living thing. 
Um, and um, and yeah, it's it's very interesting, but it's 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 important to know that it wasn't easy to convince others that there there had there was a wide body of research that had to be done first of all to essentially prove that these things could cause disease in certain people at certain times or whatever. Um, and this kind of introduces this overall concept. Well, this was the foundation of germ theory, right? Germ theory being, um, you know, the idea that the germ is capable or a pathogen of some kind. You can't necessarily see it um, unless you're looking at it under a microscope. Uh, some kind of very small microorganism can enter into the body and produce some kind of a disease phenotype, right? Uh, germ theory was then uh, developed and, and really medicine, medicine, uh, medicine became focused, in fact, obsessed with germ theory. And, mm -hmm. and this led to the development of antibiotics. This led to the development of all of these kinds of antimicrobial therapies, which I would say are used in excess now. Um, but uh, in, in opposition to germ theory, we also had what is known as or later come to be known as the terrain theory. And so whilst the germ theory focuses on the pathogen, which is capable of causing a disease in, in another living organism, the terrain theory is based on the concept that the organism uh, is the health of the organism de determines whether it can uh, survive uh, the the exposure to a germ or not. So for instance, someone will get sick if their terrain is unhealthy. That means looking at things like nutritional status, emotional health, uh, you, you know, toxicity, um, all of the other things which are very well established to cause disease, um, that can cause a, an underlying imbalance which either makes the terrain susceptible to the germ or can produce disease in and of itself without the germ there. Okay, so you have these two kind of what seeming to be clashing concepts, although they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. And 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 so really if conventional medicine did go in the direction of germ theory, no one disputes that. But what we see with the people who've kind of adopted Lanka's view and have gone full force uh, with the belief that they don't believe that there is such thing as viruses and that viruses do not con you know, they, they're not, or if they do exist, they're not capable of making people sick. Well, these people have adopted uh, the terrain theory. Okay. And again, what they've done is they've gone, they've taken it to the extreme. So instead of acknowledging the importance of the terrain, instead of acknowledging that, uh, you know, to be able to maintain health and protection against germs, you need to keep your body in a good state. Rather, the terrain theory seems to have morphed into a quite an extremist position, which completely discounts the concept of contagious disease. In fact, there's many of the uh, kind of proponents of the terrain theory who will say that contagion, the concept of contagious disease is false. In fact, that applies not only to viruses, not only do viruses not exist, but bacteria also are not capable of causing disease. In fact, the only thing which governs whether someone is healthy or not is the terrain. And so, yeah. again, it's a very extremist position and it doesn't necessarily match up with reality. And this yeah. is the problem, right? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Elliot, for sure. Because it seems like what has happened is by uh, looking at the fact that terrain theory has been neglected, They've gone whole hog with it and are saying no terrain theory. They've set up an opposition where there was no opposition. You know, it's like 
I don't think even the the highest proponents of germ theory would completely discount 100% the terrain. I mean, obviously, it, it, it it's it's logical. You know, if you look at a person, you say that person isn't very healthy, so they're probably going to be more susceptible to a virus. I mean, that it goes without saying, right? Even during COVID, they were saying, oh yeah, people who are obese or obese and have uh, type two diabetes and all these sorts of things, metabolic syndrome, are more susceptible to the virus, right? So. But the terrain theory proponents, I don't even want to call them that because it's a bastardization of terrain theory, really. Okay. But what the no viruses are basically doing is setting up these two things as if they're in opposition. It's either yeah. germ theory or it's terrain theory. And that's not the case. And it never has previously been the case. I don't think that anybody ever set up this opposition before. So it's like it's it's by going in this direction, they've completely rejected germ theory and said that terrain theory is oppositional to that. When I think the two theories go hand in hand, it's it's they, they aren't really two separate things. They they really do where one leaves off, the other picks up. It's not uh, they're not mutually exclusive by any stretch. Yeah, and I just want to say something about the the ex extremism there, and maybe uh, get a bit um, psychological here, um, because I've been reading um, Ian McGilchrist's work. Uh, you know the two brain hemispheres guy, um, and he basically his whole thing is that he criticizes how how what happens when we rely too heavily on on the left hemisphere, right? Because the left mm -hmm. hemisphere is basically has a certain worldview um that uh, is very um let's say functionalistic or it it always wants to it isolates you know something in reality and hyper focuses on it mm. and with the goal of manipulating it right so you could make an evolutionary argument maybe um why that you know is important um or just you know a biological argument why we need that function you know to to just hyper focus on something and exclude all else and just run with it and uh, you know and and that kind of thing and uh, it's it's interesting that you know th there is some vibe in that whole no virus thing right that um they seem to get hung up on on certain talking points you know about question about isolation um things like that um Cox and uh, and then they kind of um take that you know that that hyper focused like tiny chunk of what they think uh, belongs to reality and they transplant it sort of into an abstract realm right that is completely unhinged from from the wider you know human experience and and if you do that you know then you end up like you know deny that contagion is a real thing and you have to come up with wild theories about all kinds of stuff and um and uh, they don't connect this, these other things to reality. Only their theory, their hyper-focused thing, is the is the in the in the middle of it all, and uh, and uh, is the, the the only thing that counts. And so I get really you know mad uh, when science tells me you know or wants me to believe things that are just not true in my own experience on the face of it. Right? Mm -hmm. I hate that sort of thing. You know, I mean, we've seen it with COVID, you know, um, there's a raging pandemic outside, or you can see that with the, in philosophy, right, people try to convince you that you have no free will, you know, or, um, uh, or some Darwinist thinkers, right, that they you know, try to tell you're all governed by selfish genes, and there's no real kindness in the world, it's just, you know, some survival mechanism to um, 
get screw people over, you know, or something like that, or that evolved to protect the tribe, you know, when, when you kind of know in your heart that, you know, there's more to it than that. And it's like, and then these things, you know, when, when these things happen, I'm like, you know, get off my lawn, you know, like just get out of here. You know, I, I can't stand that sort of thing. And, and it seems to me that's, that's a bit what happens with the no virus people when they um, then go from there to, you know, denying that contagion is a thing, right? I mean, when we all have the experience, you know, that it is clearly, and even in the past, you know, I mean, even before they had any idea about all of this, um they people quarantined right i mean mm -hmm. it's it was just obvious you know that for certain very infectious diseases that you know you catch them from other people you know my they might have had a completely different theory about how that works but that's that's not the point right the point is like you know you can have a different theory than viral infection but you but don't deny that this happens right yeah and uh, I mean, I experienced it myself many times and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, undeniable, basically, even though, of course, it's not like 100% uh, clear cut and all of that. I mean, nobody claims that, but uh, that the phenomenon is there and I just, just don't like that. And, and you know, connected with, uh, with this, you know, trying, having to come up with all kinds of things, you know, I, I wonder, you know, even um, with... Uh, with other aspects of of the the virus theory or let's say the framework the 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 scientific framework uh, i mean how how do the, these people you know explain for example that you know when when covid came came out and they had uh, sequenced it um and and obtained the the the, the genetic sequence you know there were some some scientists who immediately you know looked at it and said oh that's man made mm -hmm. you know um Good so point, how, how did they know that you know i mean if if this is this science is you know it's it's complete bs you know if there's no such thing as a as a sequence of a virus i mean how does that even work you know i mean it's there's just one one example i mean there 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 are many right so how this um these all alternative explanations you know how people get sick and it's the 5g towers yeah right i mean they 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 claim that in wuhan you know at the at the, the precise moment of the COVID breakout, all the 5G towers went into operation. So that, that's one of the things that they claim. And, um, and let me tell you, because I know a little bit about radio technology, I mean, that's just the total overhype anyway, because, uh, you know, 5G, it, the rollout is in different stages. Um, and, uh, and they are not even close technologi technologically to the you know, later stages where it gets really like... Um, really strong and really crazy um, so the first stage is basically like 4g you know like what we already have you know just a bit faster or whatever so i mean but i mean it's just on the face of it this idea seems to me like pretty wild right and um and i mean you can make a case you know for, for something like that but then you know um you, you kind of need to to give me more than you know just a suspicion or something like that right um so if if they these people they um they want like 100 proof you know isolation on their terms um and like a, a hd photo you know of everything and uh, i mean if they want like uh this this extreme proof you know that viruses even exist then um yeah 
I could demand the same for like alternative explanations, right? I mean, if I go to, a, a, you know, meet some people and next day, like half of them get sick with the same exact same disease, um, you know, I mean, there, there must be an explanation that is, that is goes beyond like um, suspicions or like speculation, right? So um, I just think, um, but the point I wanted to make is, you know, that experience should, we should be allowed to take our personal experience seriously mm -hmm. and, uh, and not like be bullied by some theory, whether it comes from mainstream science or from alternative science, so to say, to question our own, you know, own experience. You know, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Elliot. Go ahead, Doug. I well, was just going to say, <laughs> <laughs> you, Elliot. Take the stage. Take the stage. All right. I was just going to say, Elliot and I had actually been talking earlier about this, and we were talking about how um, in the field of like astronomy, how the electric universe thing kind of came in and, and sort of took over. And well, it didn't take over. <laughs> it, it did the opposite, but at least it's on the fringes. And, you know, the people who are more kind of uh, traditional in line with, uh, with say, with NASA um, would look at the electric universe and think it's kind of nonsense. And these people are fringe, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of like I was comparing that to what you see with these kind of no viruses and stuff like that. And I'm like, OK, well, that's a situation where I think the big difference is that the no virusers basically don't have a better explanation. They don't have an explanation that explains things that the virus theory can't explain, right? They don't. As opposed to something like the Electric Universe guys who actually do. You know, their theory, their model actually is better at explaining what is seen and can predict better what they will see better than the traditional model, which I think is... That's the biggest difference here. The virus, yeah. the no viruser guys don't don't have anything, don't have a framework or an explanation that explains what we see better than the previous theory. You know, it's like you were saying, Luke, about um, you know people that we have seen in our own life contagion happen. You know, we've seen that, we've experienced it, and it's like for them to turn around and give something that's really half-assed and doesn't really explain what it is that we're seeing it's like that's not that's not a good model so anyway i just i just kind of wanted to say why i don't think like why i think i am convinced by something where some kind of renegade guys come in and have a better explanation for something versus what i see here going on with the no virus stuff where it, it doesn't have a better explanation yeah indeed and and i think a, a similar like if you were to compare the two the electric universe or plasma physicists or, you know, whatever profession it is, is they're not denying the existence of the right. universe. They're not denying the existence of space, right? Right, right. They, they don't come along and say, look, the thing that you guys have been studying for, you know, thousands of years, essentially, because that's what it is with astronomy, right? Yeah. Thousands of years. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that you guys have actually been studying in detail in these labs, uh, that doesn't exist. That, that, that's right. not a thing. In fact, it's all a figment of your imagination. It's just the earth detoxifying. That's the equivalent <laughs> of the no virus theory. Cause that's what, that's what these, this, what the proponents actually think it is. Mm -hmm. They think that what the virologists and research scientists are looking at when they think that they're studying viruses, they think that they're either looking at random bits of human DNA or RNA. They think that they're looking at waste products from the cell. 
or what are called exosomes. In fact, there's many of these proponents who will say, oh yeah, well, actually, if you look at a virus uh, and then you look at a, an exosome, they look very similar under, 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 under a microscope kind of thing. They've got the same structure. So what these guys are essentially doing, in fact, what would be a very apt comparison is the flat earth theory. Because what the flat earth theory is, is doing is coming along and saying, well, yeah, all of your models of climatology, of uh, meteorology, of astrophysics, all of that is, is wrong because that stuff doesn't exist and the earth is actually just flat. So it, I, that's why I think that the no virus theory is very comparable and almost equivalent to the flat earth theory, because not only does it not explain um, the things that we can perceive, on a, on a regular daily basis, not only does it not explain how they got there or how they work, even worse than that, it denies their, denies their existence. And this, this, is, this is the thing with the Novarius theory. And Lucian, it's very interesting that you, that you mentioned this kind of uh, obsessive one-track minded focus, this hyper-logical um, uh, left brain tendency that it seems as though many people who follow it follow this, particularly the people who push this theory, um, they they adopt or they display at least, um, is because once you start off with that concept that viruses do not exist, then you ought to, then what you have to do by necessity is you have to come up with an explanation for every single observable phenomena that are in relation to viruses. Now, first of all, you might think that that's not too difficult, but actually it's tremendously difficult. It's, in, in, it's impossible. First of all, they don't try to give an explanation. Or if they do, I mean, most of the time, they're putting it down to coincidence or they're putting it down to collective hysteria or some kind of like imagined toxicity. Now, of course, the Earth's toxic, but nothing happened around the time of getting COVID, right? Around the time that COVID came on. They tried to blame it on 5G. But then you ended up with people getting this, uh, this, this, this viral infection or these symptoms which were absolutely the same. So they got almost homogenous symptoms among uh, all kinds of people. And, uh, and they came at a very similar time. And this was in places where there was no evidence of 5G rollout. There was no evidence of toxicity. For instance, they'll say that in Italy, oh, well, this is the most toxic place in Italy where you initially, initially had the first, first wave in Italy and, and that had the most casualties kind of thing. Um, but, um, but, there, 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 there were many other places which like Switzerland or Austria and places like that, which had no identifiable change. And yet all of a sudden loads of people got sick with this, uh, with this uh, infection or with these symptoms. And so how can you explain the, you know, what we all know to be true, which is when someone is sick or display certain symptoms, if you come into contact with that, that person, then what that means is that you, you can get those symptoms as well. I mean, there's no other theory to explain how that works and that's it doesn't even need like it's it, it, i'm amazed that we even have to argue this it's like this is something that every single human being knows they should know this and to try to deny this is 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 quite bizarre um but but again like uh, i think you're right in that they do not have any solid explanations for any of these phenomena and this is not even looking at the research i mean so stephen lanker um from what i understand he originally came up with a method to uh, isolate and, and purify uh, viruses. And he's one of his issues is that, well, scientists don't use this method. And therefore, if they don't use this method, then I don't trust that they are even looking at viruses. Because if they haven't gone through the, the exact steps that I think that they need to go through, 
based on um, these hypothetical postulates which were laid down a long time ago, um, then, then, then essentially it doesn't prove that viruses exist. So their main kind of argument is that if you cannot isolate and purify the virus and you cannot prove by putting it into a, a living organism that it causes disease in every single one of those organisms, then it's it's not a virus and it's not contagious. Uh, now, there's lots of potential problems with this. Again, I'm not a virologist, but there's lots of more intelligent people than, than me who've, who've also poked holes in this argument and have said, well, whilst Lanka came up with one method to isolate viruses, in fact, there have been numerous other people throughout history in recent years as well, who've also come up with novel technologies to isolate and to identify viruses. And these are using different ways of doing it. For instance, they use next generation sequencing. This is a type of uh, DNA uh, gene, gene sequencing tool. It's like very uh, uh, complex technology, which they're using um, to, to look at the genome, look at the genetic material of viruses. They, they're using all kinds of genetic uh, diseases and things these days. So it works in terms of looking at bacteria. It works in terms of looking at the human genome. Um, but apparently, according to Lanka and the no virus guys, no, it, 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 there's no way that this can work for, for viruses, which I think is, 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 uh, is astounding that they would believe that. What I'm trying to say is that there are lots of potential methods and there's lots of people who have claimed to, iso to isolate the uh, various viruses, including COVID, uh, with different types of technology. And we're talking about thousands of people, right? And if you look at the sheer amount of research that has been done over the past 100, 150 years into contagious disease, particularly viruses since the 1930s, you know, they, 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 there are so many people who have gained uh, uh, a very deep knowledge of the way that these things operate, uh, have, have, have identified the potential problems with using older conceptions of immunology uh, applied to viruses. For instance, um, Cox postulates, which were originally seen as um, the gold standard in terms of identifying a pathogen. Uh, what these were was that you you had to fulfill a certain types of cr criteria to be able to say that a pathogen was responsible for a disease, okay? But then what happened was, was that they started identifying different types of bacteria, but then they saw that there were diseases um, that were not bacterial in origin. So they needed to come up with a way to explain that. And the theory was, well, actually, maybe these were viral. And so uh, another scientist came along, his name was Tom Rivers, and he criticized Cox, Cox postulates. And if you actually read his paper, he published in 19, in 1930s, he explicitly says, he says, look, we cannot apply these rules to viral infections because viral infections operate completely differently to bacterial infections. In fact, we don't really know how viruses work. So therefore, we need to be a little bit more liberal in terms of how we can identify viruses. Now, here are my recommendations. I think that we should do this, 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 and this. However, the chances are is that in the future, we will develop technologies that will move beyond these criteria and we will be able to identify viruses in novel and different ways so here's my recommendations however this is only temporary because when we get new technology we'll be able to identify them differently yeah and I, you know I, I think one important point that I, I wanted to make as well is um and, and this kind of goes along with what you just said Elliot is that um it seems to me that there, there's a certain lack of like curiosity 
and humble hum, uh, humility, let's say, on, on the part of uh, the, the no vi virus crowd. I mean, uh, the mainstream crowd, for sure, they can also be like, not very humble. But uh, um, and in that they are they are maybe more similar than they realize. And, and they, um, I think they, they also like work a bit under like, simplistic um materialist assumptions you know that um i mean the, the viruses they seem to be kind of like somewhat mysterious right i mean it's like just this you know fragment of rna you know floating around and like you know it, it's kind of crazy you know when, when you think about it and um and the, the no virus people actually they, they they have the assumption that you know you 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 kind of need to be able to rip it out you know put it put it in the jar basically you know i mean the like purify it you know that you can you know just basically um like like if it was like an organ or something and uh, and it it's might actually be that it it's just not that simple right so then they point out that there are other like um particles of the same size that that can you can actually rip out and stuff but maybe it's just not so straightforward with with viruses and that that should make us curious right i mean um what what is going on there? You know, I mean, there's so much we don't know about it, um, about this topic, and and instead they you know go, um, oh, they therefore they they don't exist, right? And uh, it's it's just there's a lack of a bit of lack of curiosity, and um, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the same with the you know with with the with the sequencing issue, um, because there are so many different techniques, and uh, and their criticism is basically that you kind of need to do like some technical voodoo to to do the sequencing right because you cannot just you know um uh, take take the the rna or dna you know rip it out you know dry it on the you know hanging hanging on to dry and then uh, take a take a selfie you know that, that that's not how it works it's uh, uh you you have to you know do some some really complex technical stuff you know and you also have to try to make sense of your data what you get you know you can um there's a certain limit of the size you can get and then you need to look for the codons and like kind of piece it back together you know it's just um not straightforward and and that's why they claim um you know oh that's all voodoo you know based on models and uh, and just references and there was never like a whole genome sequenced and uh but you know um what if it's just complicated you know <laughs> i mean mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's just it doesn't mean that it's all bs right i mean and and these these techniques they've been around for a long time and um, I don't know. I don't know all the papers of Lanka and those guys, you know. But I've just never seen like a detailed, you know, discussion of what exactly, you know, the 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 different um, techniques do, you know, precisely um, what what the approach is, you know, what do these computer algorithms that they nowadays use, you know, to piece together, uh, to align uh, the the sequences. What, what do what do they do, you know? Why why were they invented? Um, what's the th thought behind it, and and why do they think it's 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 wrong, right? Um, it's just it's just very superficial. It seems to me it's just you know oh it it was never isolated according to my definition of isolation, and you know the the it's just models, so it could be anything. So it, it's it it strikes me as a bit sloppy, and as as, as and there's a lack of of like. You know curiosity you know um um what's going on and 
and, uh, and and again they they will have to deny like everything that is connected to this kind of research right everything including also the critic the critics of the whole covid thing right i mean um who kind of predicted the side effects of the vaccine based on standard you know models you know and uh, and things like that so i mean how is that even possible you know it's and there's just yeah. so many uh, issues um with that Agreed. And and apart from that, the, the real life experience of clinicians, so medical professionals, nurses, uh, other health professionals who regularly come into contact with people who display viral illness. So how can one explain, and I know that they tried to come up with theories for this, but none of them are in any way, shape or form capable of, of, of really explaining all of the similarities between viral infection, the symptoms of viral infection, the mechanism of action, drugs which work against viral infection, which also work on that proposed mechanism of action. So, so for instance, in a research study, they will look at a particular viral illness, they'll look at the way that it affects cells or organs, and then they will use drugs or medicines or nutrients or some other kind of intervention which addresses that mechanism and remarkably, people get better. <laughs> remarkably. So first of all, that's one coincidence. Secondly, the pathophysiology, so the way that the, the disease manifests in someone who has the infection, whether it be bacterial or whether it be viral, and the lab work that goes along with that. So for instance, the immune profile, if you look at how different viruses affect the human body, they initiate the production of different types of cytokines. These are immune chemicals. They're uh, chemicals which are generated by our immune system. And uh, different types of uh, cytokines might include uh, Th1 cytokines, Th2. And, and so there's a variety of different patterns that you see with different types of viral illnesses. And so at the same time, you also have other lab work, differences in red blood cells, differences in white blood cells, but also antibodies. So you have like IgM and IgG antibodies against specific viral proteins. So the question is like, if you, you have to be a coincidence theorist to believe that all of the research performed on a viral infection, right? All of that is first of all, incorrect. Secondly, the exact symptoms that people get when they test positive in lab work for that viral infection is just coincidence. Thirdly, that the spread of that viral infection is also purely coincidence. And so when you have outbreaks of viruses, actually this is some either collective hysteria or some un, you know bizarre, like mysterious toxicity that's occurred. And again, it, 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 no one has been able to explain that. So, so that immediately makes me think that they don't know what they're talking about. Secondly, what I'd also like to add before we finish up is that their concept of the immune system, it seems to be very somewhat primitive, right? So for instance, they are basing their arguments on these, these uh, postulates or these rules or criteria that were put forth uh, a long time ago, you know, uh, around about 100, 130 years ago, 150 years ago, um, 80 years ago for viruses. Okay. Now, back then, no one really knew anything about the immune system, okay? In fact, all of the stuff that's been learned just in the past decade has really transformed the concept of immunology. If you look at interferon and everything like that, right? So 
with every couple of years, like more is being understood about how the immune system works and how the immune system doesn't work. So this concept that, first of all, what, you know, this concept that to be able to prove that something is contagious, you have to be able to show that whenever you inject that or you expose an animal to that, they must get sick. That's, that's one of the proposed ideas is that basically if you give this to an animal, then they have to get sick to show that it causes disease. Well, what we now know is that that is not the way that the immune system works, okay? In fact, with all of the information on, on the microbiome, uh, the, the natural kind of bacterial flora that exists, even the viral flora that exists in and around the human body, what we see is that different viruses, different bacteria, different pathogens affect different people in different ways for different reasons, okay? So for instance, a group of people can all be exposed to exactly the same pathogen, but it will only exert pathogenic effects in one or two of those people. And this might be due to the, their microbiome. It may be due to their, um, their immune system, their genetics. We have no idea of why this occurs, but what we do know is that this does occur. So the concept that a pathogen is a pathogen is really kind of outdated anyway. And this also applies to something like H. pylori. H. pylori is a bug which lives in the stomach and which has been associated with stomach ulcers. But at the same time, many other people have H. pylori living in their stomach, and it does not cause them any kind of disease. In fact, it's called a, it's called a commensal flora, right? One of the commensal bacteria that just exists. So the fact is, is that we don't know how viruses interact with human beings. We don't know what their function is. I don't think, like, I think anyone who claims to know that or the, the concept of virus as pathogen, clearly it is an oversimplification. But what we're saying is that Viruses don't necessarily need to be pathogens to exist, right? They may exert pathogenic effects in some people, and they may not exert pathogenic effects in other people. They may actually be beneficial for other people. Like, we, we have no idea. But to claim that because viral research doesn't fit into some small criteria of how some one researcher thinks that it should, should, should fit into, uh, to say that all of the other phenomena that can be observed in relation to viruses, whether you look at lab tests, other the thousands or millions of other researchers who claim to be working on this, along with lived experience, I mean, it's preposterous to say that viruses don't exist based on one theory by one virologist who can't come up with a better ex explanation to explain any of those other facts. Uh, that's my position on the topic anyway. Well said. Well, I think that we are, Damien, are we up on our time here? Um, no, but uh, if you oh. want, you can keep going. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So I just add something that, um, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of weird um, that this topic seems to be like very emotional. Um, and by the way, that's also like a left hemisphere thing like most of the emotions actually like the deeper emotions they are associated more with the right hemisphere but like rage and irritability they are in the left hemisphere interesting <laughs> so that will be kind of fit the um you know because i already see the comment section explode <laughs> <laughs> right because for some reason that's really a, a hot a hot button issue and um and i just wanted to bring in um you know, Elliot, in addition to what you what you said, I mean, we can go even more woo-woo a little bit. And uh, 
because we know, I mean, I think you, you have done shows on homeopathy as well, I guess, right? Um, so homeopathy is also a very interesting um, phenomenon. And, um, and this just goes to show that there's a whole bunch that we don't know, right? And um, it might just uh, be, you know, that viruses being apparently these like tiny um, strings of RNA and whatever, and uh, that it might be that, you know, they, they, they change their behavior, you know, depending on, on where they are and they can all kind of have like all kinds of different um, effects, you know, based on, you know, whether they are like in a, in a, in a lab uh, tube or in, in a body or uh, like in a cell or where in the body, you know, what body <laughs> and all these things. And, uh, and maybe they even change form, right? I mean, that's, who knows, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's just uh, um, an interesting phenomenon. And, um, and it strikes me to be like, just very, very um, close-minded and simplistic and black and white, you know, to just declare the whole thing um, non-existent. And, and, and it's also, um, a bit of a trap, you know, as you said, like in the beginning, especially like in the wake of, of the whole COVID thing, because um, it seems to to really resurface and um, uh, and it's just it, it closes you off from so much of reality if if you if you think like that, you know. And it, it, usually these people also deny that COVID, you know, as a disease even exists, you know. So, mm -hmm. so they they will claim it's just you know some random flu type thing, but. Um, I don't think so. You know, it's 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 a very distinct uh, uh, disease. It seems to be. I mean, there, there are similarities, of course, but it's just not. Um, I don't think you can brush that off. You know that it is that is a thing. You know, it it, it kind of exists. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and, it, and there there's so just there's just so many so much of that. And I would just you know try to appeal to the people who are might might be tempted um, to get sucked into this kind of thing because I, when I read this stuff, you know, I, I can feel this pull too, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's just such a, such a strange, you know, they hammer home these, these, these talking points, you know, and, um, and then you, as I said, you know, you, you, it, it, they hyper-focus your attention on, on, on very, very specific things where even if they're like, only slightly wrong somewhere it could blow up the whole thing right but it's just um you're you're supposed not to see that and just go along with it um 100 uh, and and then you you find yourself like you know denying all kinds of things and just not uh, being you become unable to observe reality and and your own experience in it right uh, so actually they achieve the opposite of what they, some of them at least, you know, who come more from the alternative health community, um, what they claim to achieve that, which is, you know, to maybe get away from the mechanistic medicine and science and, and you know, see everything a bit more holistically, but they actually achieve the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's ironic um, that, because if, if you take it to its logical conclusion, then you have to become quite significantly detached from objective reality. You have to. You have to start denying some very basic facts, livable facts, you know, observable facts, repeatedly observable, you know, things that you can repeat. 
um things that are known to every single human being like innately known and this is aside from all of the science just the concept of contagious disease in and of itself is something which is very clear uh, obviously it's it's nuanced but it's not very complicated um just to just to see with your own eyes um so it is interesting but it, it seems to be of necessity because once you take that route it seems and this is my impression from looking at the talking points of the people who do tend to follow this approach is that once you start down that path it's very you can't sit on two stools it's very difficult to sit on two stools right it mm. must be by necessity um by definition you can't sit on two stools so you have to either choose the one or the other and and this is a it's a it's a fabrication i think coming back to the concept of the germ theory and terrain theory um the idea that it's one or the other well thinking about it in some more depth um really not only are they not mutually exclusive but they are somewhat dependent on one another right what is the what is the necessity of strengthening the terrain if there is nothing to defend against right <laughs> if there's no germ in the first place to defend against what's the point of the immune system what's what's the need for the immune system one could say oh okay it's there to repair tissue but ultimately there are uh, numerous components of our immune system that are not involved in repairing tissue but are in fact are primarily surveilling the external environment and the internal environment for pathogens okay for contagion what what is the necessity of 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 um of identifying the germ if the terrain is not susceptible for that to that so i i, I don't but i think it's 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 completely unnecessary to separate the two you know they 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 both seem to have the merit it's important to focus on maintaining a healthy body, but at the same time, it's also important to notice that there are things which will happily co-opt your system if they can get the chance to do that. And does that include viruses? Well, it seems to include viruses, but then again, do we know that viruses are opportunistic like bacteria? Not necessarily. Maybe viruses are having some other kind of function. There's many theories for why viruses do exist. There's theories in terms of our evolution, you know, the concept of endogenous retroviruses being information carriers, you know, allowing different organisms to adapt to their environment, allowing organisms to communicate with one another. There's all kinds of theories for why viruses actually exist and what they do. So to say that they don't exist, it seems to be an extremist position. I'm not personally convinced. Reality seems to, uh, all the conventional theories of viruses seem to be able to explain the majority of things that I can see happening in the, you know, in my life. Uh, I'm, I don't think that they have the whole answer and I don't necessarily buy into the concept that viruses are merely deadly pathogens. Um, but at the same time, until someone can come up with a better theory that more accurately, or more accurately explains all of the observable, observable facts, then, um, then I'm going to go with the conventional model, you know? I'm going to tend or lean towards that. Isn't it a significant portion of our genome actually viral in origin? That's what they think that, uh, you know, the junk DNA is. Yeah. Um, but again, what, what the, uh, what the no virus folks will say is no, that's just, uh, that's just DNA. Right. 
to say that that's viral DNA is based on the faulty concept that viruses are even a, a thing. That's just <laughs> DNA. That's human thing. DNA. That's what they'll say. But yeah, according to basically 99.9999999999% of other researchers and, and virologists, <laughs> you know, there is evidence which would suggest that, yeah, there's endogenous retrovirus and retroviruses which were embedded within the DNA even. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, no, it's fascinating. There seems to be a lot that is not known about yeah. about viruses as a whole. I, I think even many of the people, and this is the sad thing as well, is that many in the alternative community, you know, acknowledge that fact. And on on the topic of COVID, they will be the first to say that yeah, this was completely overblown. This virus is is somewhat similar to the flu. It's got different symptoms, but ultimately, it's in terms of its morbidity, um, it's similar to the flu, and we shouldn't be freaking out about this. But uh, unfortunately, this position is tainted by many others who have adopted the belief that actually viruses don't exist and they're not even a thing. And it almost makes you wonder whether this is one big psyop, you know, yeah. whether yeah. this is a way to actually uh, muddy the waters and and yeah, paint... That's- COVID skeptics in in a bad light. Yeah. That's what I'm leaning towards, actually. And that I think that once in a while, these psyops come along to scoop up people who are vulnerable. It seems to be people who who really have a fight, you know? Like they really... It's it's not enough that they look at at, at something that's going on and say, no, that's, that's, that's terrible. I don't want anything to do with that. They want to fight something. And it seems to really kind of scoop those type of people up, you know, the people who, uh, who really want to oppose something and don't necessarily use their heads when they're opposing it. Yeah. Anyway, I think, uh, do you guys have anything more to add? I was just going to wrap up there, but if there's any more points, Lucien, Luke, did you have anything else to add? Um, just uh you know that i think it's important to be able to um to disengage from black and white thinking and tolerate contradictions you know because there will always be contradictions unless we have figured it all out which mm. basically never w- will happen <laughs> so uh, i think that's a that's a good uh as mindset to be in right to to tolerate that there are like different views and and contradictions and not to um you know, fall into such a trap to go all extremist, um, you know, in, in your position and uh, get obsessed with a, with a thir- certain idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good yeah indeed. Retune with reality, you know, keep your eyes open and, and look at what you see and then question whether this theory that you believing in whether that actually can explain what you're seeing with your own eyes. I think that's important. Mm. All right. Well, that is our show for this week, folks. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, We will be back next week with another great health topic. Be sure to like and subscribe and share widely. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.